Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. Psalm 78, the second longest psalm in the Psalter. We've had... It it is, but it it really doesn't feel like much more than 72 verses. Not much more than that. No. Not a whole lot more than that. Um... I feel like, okay, we should just have just tons and tons of things to talk about. Unfortunately, we do. Yeah. But we can only have five conversations. Yeah, that's true. So, but I've, I've, it's been good for me, man. I, I really appreciate these conversations this week. There's a lot in this psalm. There, there's a ton. You know, in this we, psalm. we've been talking about philosophy and how do you see the world and mm-hmm. being a parent. And I mean, just all kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. So let's see what we can find out today. You want to read the last bit of it? Yes. Yeah, so I've got the NIV. Uh, version in front of me, and I'm going to read 56 through the end of the psalm, Psalm 78, beginning in verse number 56. But they put God to the test and rebelled against the Most High. They did not keep his statutes like their fathers. They were disloyal and faithless, as unreliable as a faulty bow. They angered him with their high places. They aroused his jealousy with their idols. When God heard them, he was very angry. He rejected Israel completely. He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had set up among men. He sent the ark of his might into captivity, his splendor into the hands of the enemy. He gave his people over to the sword. He was very angry with his inheritance. Fire consumed their young men, and their maidens had no wedding songs. Their priests were put to the sword, and their widows could not weep. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, as a man wakes from the stupor of wine. He beat back his enemies. He put them to everlasting shame. Then he rejected the tents of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. He built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth that he established forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the deep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob, of Israel his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. Here we've got that shepherd theme again. Yes. We found it. So so, I'll get it out here. So in the first cycle of the Asaph Psalms back in Uh 74, there was a comment about the sheep of his pasture. And now it's like in this second cycle where we're telling the story again of the people being judged and asking God how long. And we're going to see that as we as we move on into the Psalms to come. Uh, we actually have the theme of the sheep and the shepherd. And what happened in Psalm 77 is we got up to the end of it with Aaron and Moses as the underling shepherds that God is using to mm-hmm. direct his people and lead them in his way. And now it's almost like we've gone through another segment of history and we're moving up to David as the shepherd. Yeah. So here again, we're going to remember the mighty deeds of the Lord. We're going to look at the history. We're going to look at how God has worked with his people. In the previous Psalm, it was through Aaron and Moses. And now we're up to David as this shepherd. And what an amazing thing, because under David, what do we end up with? Well, the tabernacle gets moved to 
Jerusalem. Yes, and to Zion. Now, even though we've got David as the shepherd, it sure seems like this psalm has to be written not in the time of David, because when it talks about his sanctuary being built as high as the heavens, uh, that sure seems like what Solomon did. Right. Not, not, not the tabernacle being brought, not just the ark being brought into Jerusalem, but the temple being built. So we're looking at David, and we're looking at David's house... Mm-hmm. His his legacy, not just not just him as an individual. Well, I was just going to say that there's a lot of history covered in this reading from today. Uh, even earlier on, he talks about a rejecting of Israel completely uh, when he abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh mm. and sent the ark of his might into captivity. I'm I'm thinking uh, about uh, in the early chapters, the early going of First Samuel, kind of in the end of the time of the judges, which, of course, there was a lot of the apostasy of God's people going on in judges and that terrible cycle of faithlessness that then brought about oppression by enemy forces, which then caused the people to repent and to call out and God would raise up a judge and there would be some deliverance and repentance restoration for a time, but then would start over again until you get to these first couple of chapters of First Samuel and you have uh, a determination that they want to go out and fight it's the Philistines there, I believe. And uh, so they need the ark, right? They got to have the ark to go out to battle for them. Well, they were defeated and they're like, oh, this is the problem. We didn't have the ark they with had the us. the ark, yeah. And they, they treated the ark like an idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, r- rather than rather than truly submitting to God, they, they thought, just like the Philistine did, Philistines did, this ark, oh, this is God. Yes. And so that that's an interesting thing because here in the psalm, it talks about their idolatry and their high places. And the the real idolatry in the story is making the ark itself out to be an idol. That I find fascinating. So, of course, then they lose that battle anyway. The ark is captured by the Philistines. And word comes back to the high priest, Eli, that the ark's been captured. And he, he's so shocked, he falls over backwards. And he's a he's a heavy man, mm-hmm. falls on his own neck, I guess, and breaks his neck. And he dies, he dies. that day. Yeah. Yeah. And his sons, Phineas and Hophni, were out there with the ark. And they were killed they when were the killed. ark was taken captive. Message comes back to Phineas's wife. She's pregnant. And when she hears that her husband is dead, her father-in-law is dead, the ark has been captured, she goes into labor, mm-hmm. and she actually dies in childbirth. Man. But prior to dying, they say, oh, look, look, you've got a son. And and the, the idea behind that was, okay, I get it. Your father-in-law is dead. Your, your husband yeah. is dead. But God has given you seed. You, right. you have lineage. The, the family, the, will the family is going to continue on. She names him Ichabod, mm. which most of us know from that great legend well, of Sleepy, Sleepy Hollow. Hollow. But what Ichabod means is no glory or mm. inglorious. inglorious. And she said, the reason I'm naming him this is because the glory of the Lord has left Israel. Mm. And she was talking about the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And here God has... So the glory... And and this psalm, when we find that in, uh, let's see here, verse 61, delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the hand of the foe. I think the NIV even said the Ark there, right? It said, yeah, it said Ark in the NIV. And in verse then, 61? Yeah, and then splendor. Splendor yeah. into the hands of the enemy. Yeah, yeah. so they, their recognition that the glory here is referring back to that it's story as God allowed that to be taken by the Philistines. Now, of course, in that story, uh, he did give his people over to the sword. 
uh, in verse 50, let's see, 64, their priests fell by the sword. Phineas and Hophni were killed. Their widows made no lamentation. Uh, as we read the story again, Phineas's wife, she, she doesn't make lamentation about Phineas. No. She makes lamentation about the ark, the glory of the Lord. Um, the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine. He put his adversaries to rout. He put them to everlasting shame. When that ark gets put into the house of Dagon, God steps up and says, okay, now it's time for you to know my real glory. Mm-hmm. And you've got that statue as it falls over, and over, and the head and the hands fall off, and they finally send it back because of plagues that they're experiencing. Yeah. And they, they put it on a on a new cart with... with uh, Cows or calves that calves. are still uh, eating from their mother, and they realize that you know, all right, if this is from God, he'll he'll lead it. If this is from Israel's God, he'll lead that back. If all this is just coincidental, well, we know what these calves will do. Yeah. They'll go back to their mom. They'll come back to the mom. But instead, they go into Israel. They make it to Beth Shemesh, and some some men either look on it or look in it, and they're struck down. And I think that may refer to what happened in verse sixty three. Although verse sixty three may be just figurative about what happened in the battle, but fire devoured the young men, and their young women had no marriage song. That may refer to as God struck them right. down, yeah, for for their mishandling of the ark. But here's the thing: at that point, Shiloh never plays a part again. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know if the tabernacle itself was destroyed at that point. Don't know if Shiloh was desolated at that point. But the ark never goes back to Shiloh, mm-hmm. and Shiloh mm-hmm. plays no part in it. But it does, on a couple of occasions, get brought up as this reminder. This is what happens when my people, who I've given my name to, do not honor me. They go into idolatry. They don't listen. I I take my name away from there, and I quit protecting that place. Well, and, and there's um, geographical significance too, right? So we've talked about a little bit about the idea from Zoan to Zion mm-hmm. and how God had led the people from the city of Egypt, Zoan, to Zion, of course, is the mount there in Jerusalem. But then Shiloh, that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was a community, was that in the tribe of Ephraim? It was. Yeah. Absolutely. And so Ephraim is going to be one of those key tribes aligned with the 10 northern tribes Mm -hmm. or northern Mm -hmm. Israel nation. Yeah. Whereas, of course, Jerusalem is going to be the seat of Judah and then a southern kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so when he talks about some of this rejection uh, of, of Jacob, you know, there's a physical removal here of the place of worship and meetings not going to be in Shiloh anymore. Right. It's in Jerusalem. It ends up being in Jerusalem. And that's that's what we move to in Psalm 78, verse 67. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim, of course, was one of the two sons of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Joseph was given that double birthright portion. Yeah. And so rather than being a single tribe, Joseph got to be two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. And Ephraim being the largest of the northern tribes becomes a bit of a name for that northern kingdom. Right. So right. We, we find often that term Ephraim is just used to refer to the northern kingdom, especially in the prophets. But he says, here's what's happened. Instead of choosing Ephraim, he chose the tribe of Judah. And instead of the tent of Joseph, Mount Zion. So here Mount Zion is used by metonymy for the temple. Yes. In contrast with the tent of Joseph. Yes. In other words, the tent had been in the tribe of Joseph. It had been in Shiloh. It had been in Ephraim. But now it's shifted over. We're moving to David. Right. And we're going to have the, that temple. The and Of course, Samuel being the prophet who is the last judge, but he is moved by God to anoint the first king. Saul, but then also David. He anoints David Mm -hmm. to be the king. Yes. And so here's what I find 
what I find interesting is that when we hear the story about what happened at Shiloh and what happened with the Ark, we do see a shift. We see a big shift, but the shift is from Eli to Samuel. And so to me, it's kind of sudden. I'm expecting to hear about the shift from Eli to Samuel, but instead it becomes the shift from well, Saul to David, the shift yeah. from Ephraim to Judah, the shift from Joseph to Judah. I, I think that's interesting because kind of in our back, the back of our minds, as we're hearing the story about Shiloh, we're hearing a story of one person is rejected and another person is chosen. One family is rejected and another family is chosen. And, and that's exactly where we end up. And we don't know exactly when this psalm was written. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it does seem to have been written at least... Solomon or later, because the sanctuary has been built. Right. All right. But as it tells the story about why Israel is rejected and Judah is chosen, it seems to me, and I mentioned this earlier in the week, that this must have been written sometime after Assyria conquered Israel. Here is a psalm that is memorializing the history of Israel, showing why Israel gets taken away, but Judah gets preserved. Mm -hmm. Because... He chose Judah. David. He chose David. He's hanging on to David. But this this lets us know uh, about uh, well about what we need to do. We need to hang on. We need to hang on to David. He's back to Psalm two. He is the chosen one of God. He is the one that God has set up on His holy hill. He's the one that's the king. And we're looking for the son of David. This actually should cause us to look in the future because if David is is actually dead when this psalm is written, and he must be because it's after the temple then what we're looking for is the ongoing fulfillment of this Davidic line. Yeah, this house of David. Of this covenant that God made with David in 2 Samuel 7 and 1 Chronicles 17, where he says, I'm going to always set somebody on your throne. Mm-hmm. And and what we're learning from this psalm is we need to hang on to him. Yes. We need to be following him. We need to be looking for him. So it's certainly pointing to the Messiah, but it's not Friday. <laughs> no, but we're getting uh, we're getting warmed up for Friday, aren't we? Tell I am. What. Yeah, I am. yeah, we're excited for it. We're excited for it. And we're, and I'm sorry, I think I talked too much. We're so glad that you joined us today for Text Talk. We'd uh, love to hear from you, our listeners. Send us an email with your comments or your questions, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Or, of course, you can always jump over to the chat going on at the Facebook page, and we'd love to see those comments there. I think for today, though, we ought to wrap up with a word of prayer. Edwin, how about you lead us? Holy God, thank you so much for choosing David. Thank you for choosing Judah. Thank you for Mount Zion. Thank you for the temple. Thank you for the promises and the prophecies that point us to the Messiah, and thank you for the Messiah. Thank you for our Lord and King Jesus Christ. And we surrender to him and submit to you, and we want to hang on to the the king that you have chosen and to submit to him because we recognize that life is in him in you and your spirit. And it's through him that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song, You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. 
Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna! Christ is captain of the mighty throne.